You are listening to the IoT for All Media Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IoT for All podcast on the IoT for All Media Network. I'm your host, Ryan Chacon, one of the co-creators of IoT for All. Now, before we jump into this episode, please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or join our newsletter at iotforall.com slash newsletter to catch all the newest episodes as soon as they come out. Before we get started, does your business waste hours searching for assets like equipment or vehicles and pay full-time employees just to manually enter location and status data? You can get real-time location and status updates for assets indoors and outdoors at the lowest cost possible with Leverage's end-to-end IoT solutions. To learn more, go to iotchangeseverything.com. That's iotchangeseverything.com. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the IoT for All podcast. Welcome, Dave, to the IoT for All show. Thanks for being here this week. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, it's fantastic to have you. Um, been looking forward to this conversation for a while, ever since uh, Machine Metrics became a partner with us. So this will be a good one. I wanted to start off by just having you give a quick introduction to our audience, talk a little bit more about your background experience. Um, from my understanding, you have a quite unique background being involved in a lot of different companies uh, across the industry and connected industries. So uh, if you could just elaborate on that and talk a little bit more about who so our audience knows they're listening to. Sure. Um, yeah, I've been with Machine Metrics for about two and a half years now. Um, I'm responsible for global business development, which includes our partner ecosystem, uh, strategic accounts, um, among other things. Um, prior to Machine Metrics, I was part of the executive team at a company called ThingWorks, which was an early IoT pioneer uh, around application enablement, was acquired by PTC. Uh, prior to that, I was part of the exec team at a company called Lighthammer, uh, which was acquired by SAP and subsequently became their IoT platform. Um, before that, I have had various roles at companies such as ABB, General Electric, uh, Wonderware, which is, uh, became uh, Invensys, became Schneider's, now Aviva. Um, so uh, much of my career has been in the uh, IoT, industrial software, enterprise software, and solutions spaces. Fantastic. That's awesome. Let's talk a little bit more about the current company, Machine Metrics. Uh, tell me a little bit more about what the company does for our audience members who may be unfamiliar, kind of the role you all play in IoT, that sort of thing. Sure. So M- Machine Metrics provides a very unique industrial uh, Internet of Things platform. And I think to to describe it or frame it, um, would be perhaps to look at what's available or traditionally has been available on the market uh, in, in comparison and, and how um, machine metrics is, is unique in that, in that context. Um, you know, there, there have been a number of statistics uh, quoted by McKinsey, Cisco, and others that talk about a fairly high rate of failure of um, industrial IoT projects and you know we attribute that to the options that have that have been out there in the past the the first option is really what i would what i would call a a, a packaged application or a packaged solution um, customers will typically get value out of the box in that <clears throat> but have a very limited opportunity to innovate um, to to extend the application, to add their own IP, to build their own applications. Um, the second option is is the more horizontal IoT platform, which allows you to build anything you want 
but uh, you got to use the tools of, of that uh, offering and it typically takes a long time to get to initial value. Um, and oftentimes the projects just fizzle out. The first, the first option, you get some value quickly, um, but you're very limited in, in your ability to expand. You have to conform your processes to the, uh, to the software. Um, and often those approaches become obsolete. The second option, you can do every, anything and everything, but it takes a long time to get to value. The third options are, are the customers that have had uh, traditional uh, MES um, products, ERP solutions that try to shoehorn those into their, their discrete manufacturing assets. And oftentimes that is a nightmare. Um, and if, even if they are able to connect those assets, their, um, um, their, uh, you know, their, their cost to maintain the code they write to do that is, is typically prohibitive. So, um, machine metrics really offers the best of all the options. It's a, uh, it, it's unique in that, um, it's a true platform. <clears throat> in that it has the ability to uh, allow extensions, expansions, um, applications to be built, um, IP to be added. Um, but it also comes with uh, applications that are packaged in the product. So our customers uh, who are discrete manufacturers can get to value very quickly and very rapidly. So it, it combines both and it, it really does so in a way that is unique. Um, and that, that uniqueness lies in the automation of the data transformation or contextualization layer. So what machine metrics has done is um, basically uh, we, we connect to a machine asset, we extract the data, and we uh, automatically transform or contextualize the data so that it's consumable not only in our packaged applications, but in other applications uh, and, and in other tools. Um, so, so again, the more traditional approaches that I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you typically have to use a tool to model some sort of process. Uh, it's a graphical tool in many cases. Then you've got a, you've got a connector, you extract data, and you've got to write all the code in between mm -hmm. to marry that data into that model. Uh, with machine metrics, there's a common data structure. There's, there's no graphical modeling. You connect to the machines and you, uh, you automatically have consumable data. Um, in the challenging environment of COVID that we've had, this has been a, a huge advantage because 90% of our customers now implement machine metrics on their own. Um, we send them an edge device, they're able to hook it up. We can support them remotely, but we don't have to send people into their plants. Um, they can connect it themselves and they're usually up and running and focused on continuous improvement and driving value um, right, right, right at the get-go. So it, it's, it, it, it's critical. It's been a huge advantage for us. And being able to have our customers focus on value um, and continuous improvement without having to go through that whole process of spending months, if not years, coding and, and connecting uh, the various uh, connectors and adapters up into models that they built has made a huge difference.
That's fantastic. Um, I appreciate you kind of diving really into the details there. That's great. And now when you, um, if, if you wouldn't mind, would you, could you elaborate on some of the individual use cases? You don't have to get into the company specific if you don't want to, but just kind of at a high level, some of the use cases and take us through maybe the experience that, um, you know, the company originally was having. And then after they kind of installed machine metrics and your, your offerings within the organization, what they started to see from an output perspective that kind of changed their business. Sure. So um, we focus on just the discrete manufacturing industry. So it's typically companies in um, areas like medical device manufacturing, um, uh, automotive, all the tiers, um, industrial, uh, aerospace, uh, some oil and gas, um, and and the the types of manufacturing operations vary. Um, some are, um, very, uh, lower mix, high volume operations, which, which essentially means they, they make a lot of the same, uh, part component product in, in, in high volume. Um, many of those plants are, are capacity constrained. Um, and so for companies that fit into that bucket, the, um, things like uh, utilization improvements drop right to their bottom line. Um, so oftentimes when we start with a customer on an industry 4.0 journey, they'll, uh, we find that they're, they're collecting data manually from their machine assets. They're writing it down on paper or on a board. And they're, they're measuring, um, they're capturing metrics, key metrics like utilization or OEE or part count, um, whatever's key to drive their business. Um, but that data is not very accurate. So, you know, um, uh, data captured manually is a, I would say, a very poor foundation for, for continuous improvement. And what we also see is when we start working with these companies and we collect real-time data from the machine assets, there's often a surprise at what uh, the baseline for these metrics actually are. There's the perception within the customer is that they're doing a lot better than, than they really are. So for example, um, when we measure utilization, I, I believe it's 28% uh, is the, the utilization figure that, that our customers will start with when they start working with machine metrics. Um, they typically think they're doing a lot better than that. And it's similar with the other, uh, with the other metrics as well. So we have, um, you know, we have hundreds of customers. We've connected to thousands of machines. And by having access to that data, we understand what that baseline is and, and where a company is comparable to, uh, to others in terms of their performance. So being able to uh, baseline a key metric such as that with a company along the lines of what I described, um, that, that, is, that is sort of uh, a low-hanging fruit for, for starting a, a continuous improvement initiative around the, the manufacturing assets. And we'll typically see a 15 to 20% improvement in a key metric like that for that type of customer uh, within a couple of months. Um, and often that'll, that'll pay for the investment in machine metrics. But that's only the first step in a continuous improvement journey. 
Um, the other end of the spectrum are, are companies that are more higher mix and lower volume. They may, they make, um, uh, you know, they make, they may make many, many different types of components for many different types of customers. Um, oftentimes they will price those products based on how long it takes to make them, uh, based on their cycle times, based on their job standards. Um, and those, those standards are, are typically stored in an ERP system. We find that many of the customers, when we start working with them, um, don't know where those, those figures came from. They haven't been updated in a long time. They're not very accurate. And again, once they start collecting real-time data from the machine assets, they're able to go in and optimize those. And, and when you're pricing your products based on that, there's a direct link to, to the profitability of the products. So by having that data and being able to put processes in place to uh, improve in those areas, that drives clear benefit and, and clear results for those customers. And then there are a lot of customers that, that, are, that are in between. And so often they will focus on, um, you know, again, uh, cycle times, downtime improvements, uh, really depends on, um, on, on the customer and what their business drivers are. But machine metrics is essentially um, a, a foundation uh, that allows customers to identify, prioritize, and execute on continuous improvement initiatives. And I'll give you one quick example of a customer that we work with and we've, we've um, promoted uh, in a, a white paper uh, some success that they had around, um, this is a medical device company. They started their journey at one plant. Um, they started using machine metrics. They had bottlenecks they couldn't identify. Uh, when they started capturing data, they found that they had uh, major downtime issues. Um, drilling in deeper, they realized that it was their setup times that were killing them. And more specifically, it was their tooling setups on the machines. So they leveraged that data. They re-engineered their processes for tooling setups. They retrained their operators. They actually added operators. Most of our companies, our, our customers go the other direction. Um, they added operators. Uh, they were able to reduce setup times by more than 50%. Um, then they were able to move their bottlenecks. They then proceeded to uh, a subsequent initiative where they reduced idle scheduling time by 98%. Um, and, and they kept going. And at some point in this process, they presented this to their executive team uh, who basically said, uh, you know, this is great, but what about the other plants? How, how much money are we losing? Because we're not doing this at the other plants. Um, so from there, they proceeded to deploy machine metrics to their other plants. I think it was six other plants. And they did that in under six months. Um, and again, they were able to rapidly roll that out because of the things I talked about earlier. The, the ability to rapidly connect to these machines with, with little to no friction and create consumable data uh, and the right tools, the dashboards, the diagnostic tools, the reports to get them up and running and focused on continuous improvement. That's what drives value. That's awesome. That is, that's tremendous. I, what y'all are doing, that sounds fantastic. And I appreciate you kind of diving into the details there. I think it'll help our audience a ton kind of gather not just what you all are doing, but also the 
the um, the ROI companies are seeing from from working with you, which is which is great. Now, I wanted to ask. So we've seen this in a lot of other industries, and I'm sure it's pretty um, uh, apparent in manufacturing as well. But when you work with manufacturers or you speak with companies kind of as you're starting the relationship with them, how reluctant are they to adopt new technologies or adopt something like machine metrics into their systems? Does it take a lot of a lot of selling? Does it take usually a pilot to kind of get them on board to, to see the ROI before they invest the time? Um, we've just seen, you know, uh, the reluctance to adopt IoT at times can be quite high. And I'm curious how you guys handle that and what you've seen. Yeah, you know, it really varies with the customer, depending on a lot of factors, including um, the, their their size, their their organization, their culture, their um, their experience. Um, I mean, we've worked with companies that um, have had negative experiences and have had, uh, you know, if I were to tell the story I just told to you, they'll, they'll look at me and they'll say, you know, that's, that's crazy. There's no way you're going to be able to send me an edge device. I'm going to be able to hook it up. And then, you know, an hour, I'm going to be up and running with data. That's impossible because we've, we've done it before and it doesn't work. So, and, and, and talk is cheap. So we'll, you know, in cases like that, we will, um, we'll look at a, a pilot and we'll prove it. You know, we'll actually send it to them and have them look it up and, set some objectives and prove it. Um, other cases, there's, you know, again, there may be cultural challenges. There may be organizational challenges. Oftentimes, um, you know, you need someone in the organization and, and within the manufacturing facility to champion the project um, that, that can uh, drive continuous improvement, can cut across some of the organizational silos. Um, uh, there are often some, some challenges that I'm sure you're aware between, uh, the, um, manufacturing and operations side of the business and the IT organizations. Um, so yeah, it, it, it really, it really varies depending on the company and there, there are a lot of different factors that drive that. So I want to expand on one thing you're kind of mentioning about, um, just kind of the, the separation within organizations at times, uh, when you engage with, with companies, could you talk a little bit more about some examples around digital transformation initiatives at kind of the corporate level versus the smart manufacturing initiatives across the manufacturing plants and kind of why there oftentimes is a separation of what's going on, the different views, the values that they see and kind of how you may handle that. Yeah. And that's a great subject and topic. It, it, um, you know, much of what I described earlier in those use cases were, were focused squarely on the, the manufacturing part of the business, right? The, the operators, the supervisors, the plant engineers, um, you know, and again, it, it's, there's, there's different personas, there's different use cases and different parts of the organization benefit in different ways. And the, the things I described earlier and often are really what we view as the low hanging fruit. But I think we're, when you start looking at the, the digital thread and, and going across the enterprise, we're in, we're in the very early stages of, of the opportunity and, and where the benefit is. And we're seeing some incredibly innovative um, things from our customers in terms of how 
the machine data is being leveraged across that enterprise. Um, and if you think about it, there's really there's really there's really three things that that um, that emanate data, so to speak. Right? There's the machine and device assets in in the plants. There are the people, um, and then there there are the systems. So there's data coming out of all three of those those groups, and when you combine it and bring it together and apply uh, different tools and software, uh, there's there's many things that can be accomplished. Um, so uh, you, you know a lot of what we talked about. I gave one example earlier with with the ERP system, but you know some of the, the more creative things. You know we have customers that are leveraging the data across their their plants. They're tying them into other tools. Our customers don't have to use our applications or our tools. They can use their own. We have customers that have uh, things like Power BI or Tableau. Mm-hmm. They build dashboards across their plants, and they're they're and they they'll tie into their financial systems, and they'll be able to start looking at um, you know and answering questions such as you know when do we sunset a particular piece of equipment and replace it. With, with new equipment. Um, when should we expand? When, when a plant manager says, hey, I want to buy a million dollar asset, how do you justify that? Where's the data? Where does it come from? What is your capacity situation? Um, you know, why is it that, that, that this particular machine with this operator and this plant uh, performs 20% better than the same machine with a different operator and a different plant? Um, where, where does it make the most sense to make a particular product? And we have one customer that has a primary manufacturing facility and they would get to capacity. They get new orders and they couldn't, they couldn't make them. So they'd start calling around to their other plants saying, you know, Hey, can you make this product? We got this order. And the answer was always, no, we're busy. Well, now they have visibility with machine metrics across all their plants. So now they call the other plants and they say, you're going to make this product. We got this order. We know you have capacity available on this line, you know, with with these machine assets, we're scheduling it there. Um, They're, they're able, they're able to do that. Um, Combining the data with other systems, CMMS systems, for example, uh, realizing the vision of the investment in those systems. We have customers that invested in those systems and they're still maintaining their equipment on a schedule. You know, how do you optimize the maintenance of equipment if you don't know how long the machine's been running or what the load is on the machine? Um, you know, it's hard to do. So, so pulling the machine, the, the machine asset data from machine metrics into those systems enables that optimization. We have customers tying this into their, their HR systems. Uh, optimizing performance reviews, leveraging machine asset data. So, it, it, you know, when you look at the um, the digital thread across the enterprise and the the potential use cases and the opportunities to to drive all kinds of value. Um, again, those are just a few examples, but we're just getting started. And do you think when it comes to kind of investing in that digital transformation initiative, that it's important for an organization to, um, I guess, does it require an organization to have kind of that corporate level buy-in to have success? Or can you kind of do it uh, at a different level and still see success with an organization in order to be, to 
to see progress, see, you know, that return on investment on the smart manufacturing side? Yeah, I think you could see, and we see huge and huge uh, value and return on investment just on the manufacturing side. Um, with the, you know, the examples I, I gave you earlier, and there's, there's many others I could, I could add to that around, um, just within the four walls of the manufacturing plant. Um, you know, and, and extending it tends to apply more to the, the larger companies or the medium sized companies. Um, but it's, 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 a, it's a pretty wide range. And, um, uh, you know, a lot, again, lots of, lots of different opportunity. Um, but we, you know, we see our, our extra small, small customers, uh, also achieve tremendous amount of value from their investment in machine metrics. Um, but again, every customer has different objectives. They have different problems they're trying to solve, uh, different priorities. Um, and it really depends on, um, on, on what their, you know, what their goals are and what their focus is. But, you know, we believe that, that the manufacturer has deep domain expertise in their processes. And our goal is to enable the data infrastructure to allow them to leverage that domain expertise to optimize their processes. And, you know, we've worked with companies and see companies again that, that, that spend inordinate amounts of resources just trying to connect to machine assets and maintain those connections and all this code they wrote. And essentially it would be more efficient and effective if they just use machine metrics for that. But, but the bigger issue is, is it's a misallocation of very valuable resources because those are the people that have the, the expertise around their own processes that no one else has. And by focusing them on optimizing those processes, that's where they're going to get the most value. And that's what we believe. So we, we've tried to create an ecosystem where, where our partners and our customers can focus on what they do best. Um, and, and we can, uh, we can enable that with the foundation we provide in our platform. One thing I wanted to ask about kind of something you just mentioned, um, relates to organizations that you may come in to working with that have already attempted something on their own. So kind of like a DIY solution themselves, obviously from our conversation, it's, it's become very apparent that they started with machine metrics. Uh, they would have a much easier time, but sometimes that's, I'm sure that's not often the case. So can you talk a little bit about the challenges that you all see when companies kind of start down the DIY track and then realize probably, you know, in a much later time that they probably should have started with something much more simple like machine metrics and kind of just the challenges that imposes and, and why now it's probably a better time than ever to kind of skip the DIY process and go to something like machine metrics. Yeah, there, there are a lot of challenges and, and, you know, and again, technology changes so rapidly that, you know, a, a decision that may have been a good decision five or 10 years ago may, may not be a good decision now, or, or perhaps, um, shouldn't be continued now. Right. Um, so, you know, what, what we see is, is that, um, companies will go down this path. And, and again, I think it's been interesting with, with COVID is that, you know, many of these companies, um, not only could the vendors not come into the plants anymore, but um, 
the, these companies couldn't send as many of their own people into the plants. And, um, you know, resources were furloughed, laid off. Um, and all of a sudden you've got, um, uh, you know, all this, all this code that was written over the years to connect to these assets and, and enable these systems. And you got different people in different plants that, that wrote, built these applications um, in different ways. And um, now they're not there anymore. And how do you maintain that? How do you sustain it? And you've had, you, you know, you, you, you keep adding to this. And then every, every time there's a change within the, uh, you know, within the operation, if, you, if, if the software on a machine is updated or another application is updated, you, you have to go change more software. And at some point, you've got, you've got a whole crew of people and they're essentially just holding up something that, um, um, you know, the whole goal is just to keep it from crashing down on the organization and keep it going. But it's not really driving any incremental value. Um, so, so how and when do you make the decision to, um, to restructure that or to, or to go in a different direction? Uh, and it's difficult. It's, it's, it's a difficult decision. Um, you know, it's, it's an organizational decision and, and, and companies handle it differently. And it's, um, um, you, you know, we work with, with manufacturers we work with machine builders. We work with uh, machine builder distributors. Um, we work with all all of these different companies, and and in many of those the cases, they've they've either uh, created their own solutions. Um, they've in some cases they've created their own platforms. Um, in in the in the case of again machine builders, many of which of whom are partners of ours. Um, you know, in the past, they've they've had their own monitoring applications or their own platforms, and um, you know, our focus is again is is getting working with companies to enable them to focus on what they do best. So again, we think the the manufacturer has deep domain expertise in the processes. We think the machine builders have deep domain expertise on their own machines, and the focus should be on optimizing each of those. Um, and the challenge with machine builders is that manufacturers are very reluctant to buy a, a monitoring offering or an IOT platform from a machine builder and put it on another machine builder's machine, right? And they want a common data infrastructure across all their machine assets. They want a common user experience across all the assets. They, will, they don't want to have 10 different monitoring packages across different uh, machine types. So again, it makes it, it makes it prohibitive um, if you're, if you're in that position. Um, so that's, that's really a lot of what we see in the market and a lot of where, where, where we're driving in terms of the direction and, and the ecosystem and, and where we see the opportunity. That's great. I appreciate all that. That's, this is fantastic conversation so far. Um, I think just kind of extrapolating there as you've been doing on the, not just the view you have of the market, but the way you're interacting with, with organizations, what you're seeing with organizations when it comes to the implementation of machine metrics offerings and how, how they're being seeing success is, it's just a great testament to what you have all have going on. So this is fan, This has been great. 
Um, one question I wanted to ask you, kind of a little separate from what we've been talking about, and it's a question that we don't talk or at least get to answer very much because we don't have too many people involved in the business development side on the podcast enough, um, is without giving away any of your your secrets, can you talk a little bit about just the business development side of IoT, kind of why it's maybe different or unique from other industries and any best practices, tactics, tips, things you've seen that's led to business development success um, on your end that maybe listeners out there who are struggling with the business development side may be able to kind of take away from it? Well, business development is defined differently in different um, companies. Um, I mean, for for machine metrics and, and my experience specifically with uh, um, ThingWorks, Lighthammer, other startups I've, I've been with, um, you know, I get involved with uh, the strategy um, piece of it. The, uh, the partner ecosystem is a primary focus. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's important to have alignment, but I think with, with, um, small companies and specifically, it's really important to understand what your focus is, what, what you have that's differentiated and, and, and the market you're, you're going after. Cause if you try to do too many things, um, you're, you're not going to be successful. And it's also key that once you have that focus defined in terms of where your core competence is, um, that you surround that with uh, with complementary um, uh, components of software, hardware, services, whatever it may be, because ultimately, from the standpoint of the customer, it's it's the total solution that they're interested. And if you're providing just a piece, that doesn't get to the value that the customer is looking for. So um, having an ecosystem that brings all those things together, right? So, you know, Machine Metrics is not a consulting company. Um, we provide a, a platform and a foundation with, with data and insights that enables consulting. And now, if that consulting comes from the end customer or if it comes from a partner of the, the customer or from a third party, um, we certainly want to work with those companies and we want to supplement our offering with those capabilities. Same with system integrators, same with other, uh, you know, other players within that ecosystem. We want to, we want to work with them. Um, we don't want to recreate anything that, that already exists. So if there's, if there's functionality that um, is complementary to us and other software, we want to integrate to that. We want to work with those companies. You know, we don't want to recreate something that, that someone else already has. So having that, that model and that strategy and that, and that focus and being able to um, uh, enable and, and collaborate with others, you know, that's, that's really where I think you, you, you accelerate and, and, and drive, uh, drive value for, for the whole, uh, uh, the whole industry and, and the whole ecosystem. Those are uh, actually great points. We've, we've spoken kind of uh, at length with a few individuals on the podcast, kind of about the, how IOT is a very ecosystem centric industry and not many companies do, or probably should do every piece of an IOT solution. So knowing what you're good at doing it very well, offering it to the market and building that ecosystem around your 
component to allow the end users to have an easier time adopting IoT and not having to kind of basically shuffle through all the potential um, options out there to build a solution, but actually having the companies like Machine Metrics and others bring the entire offering to, to market um, with those kind of behind the scenes partnerships, I think is is fantastic approach that a lot of companies are exploring doing. Some are doing it well. Uh, obviously, you guys are doing it well. And I think, you know, that's just uh, it's a lot to be said about the structure of the IoT industry and why the partnership, the ecosystem approach is so important for it, for IoT success. So, so totally agree with you. Um, I wanted to wrap up here by just asking if there's anything kind of coming out on the horizon from Machine Metrics that our audience should be paying attention to or be on the lookout for. And then at the same time, if they have any questions, what's the best way to engage with you or other individuals on the team um, and, and how to reach out? Um, sure. Yeah, we, we had a uh, major announcement uh, last week where we announced a Series B um, funding round uh, led by Teradyn, which, um, which was, was significant. Um, from our, our perspective, we were um, focused on a, uh, a bridge round that turned into something much larger than that. Um, um, so that's going to help us accelerate our our growth um, in terms of our ability to uh, build our teams, expand into new markets. Um, we're doing some some pretty exciting things around uh, predictive maintenance, where we're we're very focused on uh, predicting um, toolware and tool failure on on certain types of machines leveraging high frequency data from control systems. Um, In the past, uh, we would send people out into plants and add sensors. And we had data scientists that would, you know, look for patterns based on sensors we would add onto machines and um, very, very service intensive, took a long time. We found that with high frequency data, uh, we can just from data from the control system without having to add sensors, uh, we can uh, see these patterns much more clearly and build out these algorithms that are highly accurate in predicting when a tool on a machine is going to fail. And the value proposition around that is significant, but uh, just as important um, by providing that high frequency data infrastructure, we have partners and customers that have their own data science teams that want to build out their own applications and their own algorithms for, for various predictive opportunities, um, we're, we're able to um, facilitate that and provide that infrastructure for them as well and see that as being uh, an, even, an even larger opportunity. So we're just, we're just looking at a, a small sliver of that. So from an analytics standpoint, uh, very exciting and, and some, some great things we're working on there. Uh, is, um, and, and we have many, many other um, exciting things as well. And a lot of it's on our website. Uh, you can go to our website for that information, machinemetrics.com. Uh, if you want to contact us, info at machinemetrics.com. Um, and again, you can find uh, pretty much all of that on our website. Fantastic. Well, Dave, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate your time and being on the show today. Um, we look forward to getting this out to our audience as they already are very big fans of all Machine Metrics content and things that we've already been pushing out as a partner. So um, this has been great and I really appreciate your time. 
Thank you. I appreciate it as well. Have a great day. You too. All right, everyone. Thanks again for joining us this week on the IoT for All podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave us a rating or review and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on whichever platform you're listening to us on. Also, if you have a guest you'd like to see on the show, please drop us a note at ryan.iotforall.com and we'll do everything we can to get them as a featured guest. Other than that, thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.